I got to tell you, the greatest thing in my life is the fact that he saved me. As I study the word of God, it's just amazing. It's amazing. I was lost. I was spiritually dead and separated from God, and there was nothing I could ever do to change that. And then the God of heaven stepped out of eternity, took upon himself flesh, and lived and dwelt among us and died for all of my sin. It's amazing to me. So let's talk about that today. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to just launch off here. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 2, about verse 15. Genesis 2, 15. It says here, And the Lord God put the man, uh, or took him and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God, verse 16, commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat thereof you shall surely die. Now it's interesting because Adam lived 930 years after he ate that fruit. So it's like, well, wait a minute. God, you told him if when he ate it, he would die. Well, this is what happened. In the Hebrew language, it says in the day that you eat of it, in dying, you shall die. So Adam, when he ate of that tree and violated the word of God, the Bible says that he gave sin a legal right to come into the earth realm and death came in through sin. And now Adam and Eve died spiritually that moment. And it took the curse 930 years to kill Adam. So in dying you shall die. See, physical death is a result of spiritual death. The reason why my body is still aging and at some point I, will, I, a spirit man, will step out of my body and be with God, the reason is because I don't have a redeemed body. I'll get that for in eternity, but right now I have what the Bible calls the first fruits of my salvation. I'm new on the inside. And then what I do is I take God's word, which is life, and I renew my mind. I rent, I'm able to renovate my thinking, my mind, my will, and my emotions, which is the soulish part of me. I renew that with the word of God so that now my spirit, who submitted to the spirit of God, is able to keep my body under and keep it from that sin nature. So I, I, the Bible says that literally sin for me as a Christian will no longer have dominion over me. Now, I've got to know some things in order to walk that out, and that's a whole other thing. But I can now, as I renew my thinking, I can walk free even in this earth. But this is the only reason why a Christian's body dies, because it's not redeemed yet. But it will be. It will be. In eternity, you'll have a body. It'll be the same body, but it'll be a glorified body, not subject to death, not subject to pain, not subject to aging. First thing we're all going to say to each other in eternity is, wow. You look really good, right? So, so this is what happened. In dying, you shall die. So spiritual death was the problem. Right then, man was separated from God. He was separated from him. But here's God. He loves man. So God had a plan. So jump over to Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. 
Now, I got to tell you today, if you're sitting there as a believer and you're thinking this message is for the unbeliever, I've got news for you. What's burning in my heart today is for the believer to get this. Because found people will find people. And so many, 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 many Christians are just living a beaten up life for themselves and they're not producing any fruit. But those days are over. Because what turns you on, what fulfills you, is, is, is walking with God and fulfilling your plan in life. So Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it's, it says this. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, that one man was Adam. Remember, he sinned, he died spiritually, now sin and death come in the world. It says here, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. See, every one of us were identified with Adam, so we were born into sin. Right? Now, so what happens when a baby or a little child dies? They will go to heaven because, see, the Bible says in John chapter 1 that God, Jesus, lights every man that comes into the world. For every one of us, at a certain age, Paul said this, when, when a certain age, it's called the age of accountability. The reason why Satan goes after kids so much is he wants to lower that age. To where a point, there's a point where a child will know that what they're doing, God does not want them to do. And they do it anyway, and that's when they die. They die spiritually. Now, what's really cool is when you raise your kids right, you could raise your kids and lead them to Christ before that ever happens. I accepted the Lord when I was four and a half years old. So that never happened to me. I've always, I've always been right. And you know, here's my thing. I beat myself up my whole life because of lack of knowledge. Because I, I would look at people that would go, yeah, you know, I killed people. I robbed. I was this major drug dealer. I was in the mob, I was in the mob whatever. And then I got saved. And then it just a radical change in their life. And I'd look at them and go, wow. Because I made every mistake as a Christian. And I'm like, what a mess I am. But then the Lord started teaching me. Do you know that the Bible says that our spirit man's renewed day by day? He makes all things new. So what happens is when you become a child of God, now I'm born again. I'm, I'm my father's son. In the Old Testament, it always says this. And if you've ever read the Old Testament, wow, right? You get lost in these wonderful chapters. And so-and-so begot so-and-so. And so-and-so begot so-and-so, right? And if you have a personality like mine, you're going, I'm getting nothing out of this. I don't want to read this, but I have to because I have to read every word, right? It's ridiculous. So, you know, and, and so-and-so begot so-and-so. But in the New Testament, it doesn't do that. It, it does that with Jesus to show his lineage. But after that, it says this, and you are of God. Because that's our lineage now. We're the offspring of God. Are we God? No. We're his children. Right? So, so we got to get this right. So now it's explaining to us how this happened. So now as I'm born again, if I, if I allow this sin nature to operate in my flesh, 
I'll have sinful behavior and I'll have unrighteous behavior. But God made provision for that. Because for in 1 John 1, 9, he tells me, if you'll just confess the sin, I'm faithful and I'm just, I'll be able to forgive the sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Not forgive you for the sin nature or the unrighteous nature. You're still righteous. But for the behavior of it. And confessing it is not just saying, hey, I'm a dirty dog, I told a lie. No, 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 that's not what it means. It, it literally means to say about your sin what God says. It literally says, you know, I go to God and say, hey, I chose to lie, there's no excuse. Sin doesn't have dominion over me. I chose to allow this nature to work. And I confess this as sin before you. I call it sin, you call it sin. Also, Father, I, I, I believe your word that tells me that 2,000 years ago, that lie was condemned in the body of Jesus. I'm confessing my sin, right? And it says he's faithful, but he's also just. He has a legal right to forgive, to, to forgive me for that sinful behavior, that unrighteous behavior, to cleanse me from it. See, relationship is never broken, but fellowship is broken, right? And, and, and let's talk about that. I was talking to somebody in our church about this fact. And, and you know, fellowship is broken. Well, immediately you think the minute you sin, God's like, oh, I'm out, not talking to you. But that's not really the broken fellowship. This is what happens when you live in sin, your heart condemns you, your spirit's going, I don't like this. You're in your flesh, and so fellowship is broken primarily by you. But the moment you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. He's right there. God loves you today. Don't buy into this guilt, shame, and condemnation thing because Romans chapter 8 tells us, there is therefore now, now that I'm in Christ, no guilt, no shame, no condemnation. And this is why you got to know that. People would get mad at Paul for preaching it because he's like, oh, you're just giving people a license to sin. But... Have any of you ever needed a license to sin? <laughs> right? No, no, people are going to do what they're going to do. The road to walking free from sin, which means that death can't come in and mess up your marriage and mess up your kids and mess up your life financially and, and cause depression. And No, no, if you want to be free from all that, you've got to realize that I'm righteous. Not based on me, it was based on him. My strength to walk free is according to his grace, not me. So I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to do it in my own strength. See, shame of sin will draw you back into the sin. When you learn, gain knowledge of what you've been given in Christ, it enables you to literally reckon yourself dead to sin, and now you can yield yourself to God. The reason why Christians are not walking with him, they don't read their Bible, they hardly ever go to church. A lot of times they're more judgmental than anybody else because they got all this inner turmoil going on, right? But the reason why is you can't yield to somebody you don't know. So the reason why God has done everything is so that you can know him. But you got to get over the fact of thinking that God's mad at you. He's not. How could he possibly be? 
All your sin was condemned in the body of Jesus. Now, is he pleased with you if you're walking in a manner that's, that's against the word of God? No, he's not pleased. He can't be because God is gracious. He, he, his whole thing is he wants to get over to you everything that he's provided for you, and he can't because he's already provided it, but you can't receive it because you're not in faith. Because see, faith works by love, doesn't it? The Bible says that. Number one revelation in the heart of a Christian 24-7 for all eternity is to be, God loves me. And my love for him, my love for my wife, my kids, my love for people, my love for my enemies, my love for those that despitefully have used me, so what? Can't stop me, right? That all comes as a result of that revelation that he loved me first. I'm telling you, I... I, I I feel myself standing up here beseeching you, brethren, by the mercies of God. Present your body a living and holy sacrifice. Renew your mind with the word of God so that you can walk in the victory that God has for you and find you'll discover and walk out God's plan for your life. It's glorious. You were made for it. He actually made you for it. Isn't that interesting? So if you go down, verse 17, for if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. See, by Adam's offense, death reigned in, in this world. Much more, and this is so much more, it shouldn't be compared. They which receive the abundance of grace. What is that? That's literally the finished work of Jesus. And of the gift of righteousness will reign in life. God wants you to have full and superior dominion in your life. He doesn't want you to be afraid of anything. He doesn't want you, he, he wants you to walk in courage and boldness and lay hold of everything and speak to mountains. Get them out of your life because when you speak to a mountain, God will move that mountain. But if you're not speaking to it, he can't move it. Verse 19 says this, it says, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. And then it says this, so by the obedience of one, Jesus. And I should say this correctly, Jesus Christ. He is the anointed one, right? Jesus Christ, by one, by his obedience, shall many be made righteous. I was made righteous. You were made righteous by simply believing what God said. Isn't that awesome? So now if you have your Bibles, jump over to 1 John chapter 3. Let's look at this. 1 John chapter 3, we're going to start in about verse 14. In verse 14, it says this. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. Isn't that interesting? How we walk out our salvation as we walk in love, we know that we past tense have passed from death to life. So how do you know that you're walking in the life of God? It's because you're walking in love. He that loves not his brother abides in death. And then it goes on in verse 16. It says, hereby perceive we the love of God. How do you perceive God's love? Because he laid down his life for us, 
we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Isn't that interesting? Verse, verse let's keep going. Verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before God. So as we walk with a revelation of the love of God, it causes us to walk in love with our brothers and sisters. Now we know we've passed from death to life. And ultimately, now it tells us how faith works by love. We have confidence now. Have you ever lashed out against somebody in an argument or whatever, and then you walk away from that and you're just kind of going, ugh. Right? That's what that is. God doesn't want any of the ugh in you. He wants you to have confidence. He wants you to have assurance. Let's keep going with this. For if our heart condemn us, verse 20, hallelujah. Well, let, let me read verse 19 again. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. And then he says this, but for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. So when I get discouraged and I start beating myself up, I can look to God's word and he will tell me how it really is. And so now the word of God will tell me, hey, Tony, get over this feeling condemned because you're not condemned. There is therefore now no condemnation. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, all right. See, so many times in people's lives, when you have turmoil between you and maybe your spouse or girlfriend, others in your life, it's, it's coming from an inner turmoil in you. God wants to get all that out. He wants you to walk in the love of God. It says here, verse 21, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God. So God wants you to live free from condemnation. Satan wants you to live a life full of condemnation for this reason. Because when you have confidence towards God, now you can do verse 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. Now, this word commandments is really interesting because in the Greek, it's just commandment. It's just a singular commandment. What is it? The commandment is John chapter 16, verse 33 and 34, that we're to love our brothers as God loves us, which is unconditionally. If we do that, we fulfill the whole law. We see in other places that it adds faith to it and have faith in the name of Jesus. Well, it's really all one commandment. You're to walk by faith and walk in love. So here is the goal of your life. You are to walk in the love of God, which enables you to walk by the faith of God, right? And as you walk by the faith of God, you grow up and now as a mature believer, Romans 8, 14, now I live my life being led 
by the Spirit of God because he's constantly bearing witness with me that I'm his child. Now, now you think about that, and, and I, for years I thought, well, okay, I got it, God, I'm your child. No, no, no. See, when you need, when, whenever sickness attacks your body, you need to know you're a child of God. So the Holy Spirit will bear witness and go, whoa, wait a minute, wait, what, why are you putting up with that? You're a child of God. You've been redeemed from poverty and lack. You've been redeemed from sickness and disease. When you can't meet your bills and, and, and maybe your business is not working or if you're in sales and here you are in sales and man, I mean, I used to be a national sales manager and you know, I had 63 guys nationwide and, and you know, the 20th of the month is not a good day. It's just another day to somebody that just goes to work. But to a guy in sales, the 20th, the 25th of the month can get pretty stressful when your number that you have to meet is here and you're here. But God makes a way where he's your provision and it doesn't matter if it's the 31st. You're, you know, you're speaking. No, poverty and lack, you can't be here. I don't care if I've got to be here till midnight closing these accounts. People all over the place are going to be calling me. That number will be met. Right? I mean, this is, this is in whatever situation you're in, God will tell you when depression tries to attach itself to you, you have to know you're a child of God. You've been freed from that. It has no legal right when fear or terror, if you have kids, you got to know it. You're a child of God. Satan, you, you can't come into my son or my daughter's bedroom and mess with them. Right? You have no place. You can't come here because we have authority. you got to know you're a child of God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4. Keep going here. Verse 4 reveals why we walk in victory. It says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We are created beings. You know, it's hilarious. People who still believe, which I think it's getting really stupid now, but uh, now they say intelligent design. They sound a little smart, smarter if they say that. But those who are still hanging on to evolution, they will say, well, well, you know, our bodies, I mean, it's for sure evolution because our bodies are a lot like apes and, you know, they have the same bone structure and everything. And, and I remember my, my cultural anthropology teacher laughing at me with that go you know you're just a stupid christian there you know even the bodies are similar and i remember i just looked at him and i said you know here's the thing i'm not a body so that got his attention he really thought i was off off then <laughs> I, I told him i said i'm a spirit i was actually i'm a speaking spirit like my father see in creation he spoke everything into existence but not man he, he made our bodies out of dirt. I heard one professor who used to be an evolutionist, leading one in the United States, or in the world, uh, in, back in the early 80s, and none of it was, he was a scientist, and it wasn't making sense. He was a professor at Oxford University, and he, he decided to put the scientific method to creation, 
and it worked. Now, I can't tell you what he said because he, he literally proved how you could make a human body out of dirt. And he became a Christian. But see, then God, the Bible says, breathed his spirit in man and man became a living being. So you're a speaking spirit. This is why your words, your tongue is your steering wheel. You could, it, I don't care where you're at today, you could take the word of God and start speaking the word of God and it will literally steer your life right back into life. It's amazing. It's amazing how that works. Isn't this good news? Look at this, verse 23. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keeps his commandment dwells in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abides in us. How do I know that he abides in us? By the Spirit which he has given us. The Holy Spirit will talk to you all the time about how you're a child of God. And then he'll bring up a scripture that you can speak. He'll talk to you about the authority you have in this earth. He'll talk to you about God's plan for your life because you're not going to be able to see it or walk it out unless the word of God shows it to you and the grace of God empowers you to do that. Isn't that interesting? Then in chapter 4, as we go down, I love this. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, right? Why? Because of the greater one that's in me. But then now flip the page here. Let's go and let's read verse 16. Well, I'll start in verse 15 since it's Easter. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. So those of you who've confessed Jesus as your Lord, isn't that awesome? Jesus, you're my Lord. You're the Son of God. Now he dwells in you and you dwell in him. And it says now, based on that, John, up in age, the disciple that Jesus loved, he was probably, when Jesus said, come follow me, he was anywhere from 13 to 16 years old. Now he's a very old man living in Ephesus. And he says this, and we have known and believed the love that God has to us. You could translate this Greek word to us, or you could translate it just as easily in us. His love is in us. God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God, and God in him. Look at verse 18. There is no fear in love. Do you want to live free from fear? This is the key right here. Perfect love casts out fear, because fear has torment, and there is nothing about God that will ever bring torment into your life. He that fears is not made perfect in love. And then here, here is the key. We love him because he first loved us. Isn't that awesome? The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting or eternal life. And then in the same gospel of John, in chapter 17, verse 3, he defined it. Eternal life is knowing the one true God. 
right? And knowing whom his son whom he sent, Jesus Christ. God knows you. But God wants you to know him. And I know I'm looking at a whole bunch of people that know him and love him. But God wants you to keep going. And he'll help you. So don't let your weaknesses... Don't let Polaroid pictures, now you younger people might not know what I'm talking about, but don't let Polaroid pictures of your past, right? Don't let, don't let an eight-track audio of your past mess you up. You keep your eyes on the word of God. Know that God's a God of mercy. Isn't that good news? You know when you're driving down the street and, and you know when you've been in sales, everything's a negotiation. So you see this thing speed. And I, I think they've said there's another word there. I, I don't know. But, you know, you just, you know, but then you see a Christmas tree in, in, in your rearview mirror. And, and the first thing that you think of when you see that Christmas tree, it's a police officer. You're thinking mercy, aren't you? <laughs> when you get in the word of God and you choose wrong, the first thing you'll think about is mercy. You already have his mercy. When he got up this morning, it's new. It's new, every it's new every morning. Why? Because he's faithful. But you just keep walking with him, and he'll teach you how to walk to where you can keep death out of your life. I just believe that God wants to do a big work in this earth. I believe he's doing a big work in this earth. And it all starts by you and I knowing him so we let him do a big work in us. Amen?